0: official first lesson. Everything else that we've gone through since we started this series uh, was just things that we wanted you to know and understand. But tonight we we start our first lesson and this lesson is until understanding who God is. Understanding who God is. One of the most, if not the most important doctrine of the Bible is that God is one. We must understand that God is one, but not just understand that God is one. We must know it for ourselves. And how do you know you know it? When you can explain it. You never really know something until you can teach it. Information is one thing, but when you can teach it, it's a whole different ball game. And I'm praying tonight that when we're done understanding who God is, we will be able to teach it. Because there are questions that people like to know about who God is that sometimes could be conflicting or confusing to them. So we must understand that the most important doctrine that we will learn of the scriptures is that God is one. He's not three in one. He's one. Yes, there is different manifestation. He might manifest himself in different ways so we can know, but he is one. He never ceased to be who he is. He is one. Genesis chapter one, verse number one, profoundly states in the beginning, God, in the beginning, God, in Isaiah 43, verse 13, the Lord prophesied through Isaiah. Yay. Before the day was, I am he. God has no beginning or ending. He always was and always will be. So when someone say God had to come from somewhere, that your response should be, well, if you serve a God that came from somewhere, he must not be the true and living God. The God we serve came from nowhere because he always existed. How is that possible? Well, how about you do your very best to meet him one day and ask him, how is that possible? But the bottom line is, he didn't come from anywhere. He didn't exist from anything. He always existed. One of the first things that God commanded Israel to teach their children was this. Deuteronomy 6 verse 4 through 9. Hear O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thy, in, in thy heart and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children and shalt talk of them, when thy sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou raisest up, and thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as a frontlet between thine eye, and thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house. And on thy gate. Isn't it something reading this, understanding that the Lord is prophesying and telling them what? how important it is to make sure his commandments, the first commandment is that he is one. He is telling, make sure the commandments are always visible to you. Keep them in front of you. Think about it from way back then till today. Do we keep the commandments, the word of the Lord in front of us all the time, remembering them so we can apply them? Or do we just come to the building on the days that we come, we hear them, and then we go about our lives, and maybe if we think of it, we say, oh yeah, that's right the word of the lord says that's how we function but originally god said no they need to be always available accessible and you need to keep your eyes on the commandments of the lord listen to this this is a good one strong's concordance definition of lord of the word lord in the hebrew is jehovah That's in the Old Testament. What does Jehovah mean? Jehovah means self-existent or eternal. In the Jewish nationality, it is Jehovah. Jewish national name of God, Lord. So when the Bible talks about Lord, it's talking about God. When the Bible talks about Lord... It's talking about God. Can you read it and see where Sarah called Abraham Lord? Sure. But, but that's just us following suit of what it originally means. Remember, I taught you that when you study the Bible, you have to look at first mention. And so go back and say, when the word Lord was first used, what was it used for? Because the word When you're studying the Bible, when you go and find out the first time a word was used, you're establishing why it originally came about. And the word Lord for the Hebrew back then, as they began to learn who God is, the word Lord meant the self-existent one. The word Lord meant that he is eternal. So when you see Lord, it's talking about God. Check this out. From the beginning, man has desired to know the identity of God. When God spoke to Moses out of the burning bush in Exodus 3, 13 and 14, Moses asked, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers hath sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, What? is his name, what shall I say unto them? <laughs> and God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shall thou say unto the children of Israel, I am had sent me unto you. The Lord went on to say that he was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's God's desire that his people have an intimate relationship with him and know him. Understand this. The almighty God desire for everyone who wants to be his people to know him. The Lord wants us to know him personally and intimately. Who can know a spirit? You tell me if you can know a spirit, because you can't see a spirit. So if you can't see a spirit, how are you going to know a spirit? Spirit can have relationship, because they are unseeable. Mm-hmm. The answer to who God is comes by Divine revelation in the New Testament, Jesus asked his disciples in mark eight twenty seven whom do men say that I am? They responded in mark eight twenty eight by saying the people thought that Jesus was John the Baptist, but some say elias and others one of the prophets then the Lord then the Lord, you all missed it. I thought we just talked about in the Old Testament, Lord meant God. But anyway, we'll go on a little bit more. Then the Lord asked them in Mark eight twenty nine, but whom say ye that I am? Peter's revelatory answer in the same verse was thou art the Christ. We know that this was by divine revelation because Jesus stated in Matthew 16:17, Blessed art thou, Simon bar for flesh and blood had not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. In this study, we will show by using Scripture that without a doubt, the one, or should I say, the God of the New and Old Testament is one and the same, and his name is one. Yes. In Zechariah 14:9, and the Lord shall be king over all the earth. In that day shall there be one Lord and his name one. Remember, we just went over the text. That says in the Hebrew, Lord meant self-existent. Lord meant eternal. So whenever Jesus said he was Lord, whenever the scripture described Jesus as Lord, what is it saying? No answer? All right. That he is God. If if in the, if when we studied earlier, it said that Lord meant self-existent, right? And Lord meant eternal. We know that if it's saying that, then when you use that same ter- terminology about Jesus, then he must be self-existent. Then he must be eternal. But we know the Bible also says when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son. So his son is being called Lord, but the scripture says to be Lord, it means you are self-existent. You are eternal. So Jesus Christ, when he's being called Lord, is being given the title God. So when you read and it says Lord about reference to Jesus, it's really saying God. God. This is why the Bible will say he is both Lord and Christ. Because Christ meant Messiah. Messiah is a person. But Lord meant God. So he is both God and man. We'll go on a little bit more. Let's go down to page 14 where it says the father and the son. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse number 6, I love this. The Jehovah Witnesses cringe. I think they changed it in in their Bible after the apostolic started pointing it out to them. But in Isaiah 9, verse 6, the scripture says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Now, if you stop and think about this for a second, it is pretty interesting. Unto us. A child is born. now how is the child being born but at the same time being the mighty God? You read that scripture closely to show you something. so it says unto us a child is born. unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. whose shoulder the son? And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God. Then it goes on to say the Everlasting Father. And we know only God can give you peace. So this text, I would make sure I circle it, underline it, highlight it, because this text tells you that Jesus Christ is the Almighty God. It said the child that's being born, that will be born, will be called the mighty God. I remember the first time I was talking to Jehovah Witnesses and um, I, I showed them that scripture and they started to say, well, no, that's the small God. I said, well, show me the big God. <laughs> and so they went and found someplace where it says God. I said, well, that says that's the mighty God. And back then in Isaiah, it says that's the mighty God. So what are you telling me? And so I think they might have changed that in their Bible, because you know they write their own Bible, the New World Translation. But but the bottom line is this is indisputable. You can't dispute this because it says that the child will be born, and that same child that is born is the Son, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and the, and 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 all the the, the 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 what should we say the rulership shall be upon him. Remember in the Bible, it says that all power in in, in Matthew 28, um, 19, 18, somewhere around there, all power is given unto me. So that's the government. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God. And so there's only one God. So if if the Mighty God was born, then the only explanation is that Jesus Christ is the Mighty God. God. Mm-hmm. All right. In Second Corinthians five and nineteen, the Bible says, to wit, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. You know, there's a lot of things that we don't realize, the essence. You know, I, I wish sometimes. We would just trust the Lord to follow him as he instructs us. Because there are some things that is in the scripture that is so beyond our understanding. That is so beyond what we can ever find out and ever know. And it's in there only if you would just do it, you will experience it. But we are so, I don't know what the right word is, that we 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 decide what we will follow, what we won't follow. And we decide how we will follow it and how we will not follow it. And I'm saying all that just to say this. The Bible says God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. And when we tell people about the, the importance of receiving the Holy Spirit, you don't really think about it as important as it should be, because... God has given us an understanding that the man had the spirit in him reconciling, reaching people. And if we're supposed to mimic God, we are humans with his spirit in us. We're supposed to be reconciling people. So we're supposed to be mimicking him. And so if If Jesus had the Spirit of God in him, who he still is God, it's all examples of what he's showing us of how we need to operate. And sometimes we overlook the importance of the Spirit of God dwelling in us, receiving the Spirit and saying, well, you know, you're saved no matter what, however, and you justify things instead of saying to yourself, which I started saying years ago, if I don't receive it the way the Bible describe it, then I'm not satisfied. You can go any way you want, but I am not going to be comfortable uh, believing something that I can't prove in the Bible. So if the Bible says God was in Christ reconciling the world and he's called us, oh, somebody help me this morning, this evening, the, the, the bottom line is this we have the holy spirit some of us do and we we have it to just say listen to me talking tongues And I can give you two quick scriptures that tell you what the Holy Spirit, one of the works of the Holy Spirit, probably the most important work of the Holy Spirit, because the Bible said in Acts, and ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses. And then now I'm reading Corinthians where he's saying that God was in Christ reconciling the Holy Spirit the work of the Holy Spirit in, in on the inside is to do some reconciliation. Bring people to Jesus. Bring people who have been lost. Bring people who are hurt. Bring people who don't know who He is to Him because He is their Creator. And with God being in us, we have the authority to go and help somebody reconcile their relationship to Him. All of us that have the Spirit, it's not just for us to say, listen to me talking tongues. It's for us to say, what did Jesus do having the Spirit? Reconciling the world. That's important. And we overlook the operations of the spirit. We have the spirit. And we just good having the spirit and God is saying, now that you have it, you're qualified to do what I did. hmm. All right. Let's do this. I'm going to skip over a few pages. Any questions so far? Let's go to page 18. Jesus is the father. We kind of been through that because we went Isaiah 9 and 6 where we says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be up on his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. Prince is the son of a king, father and son simultaneously. In John chapter 14, verse 6, the scripture says, Philip said unto him, Lord, show us the father and it suffice us. Jesus said unto him, have I been so long time with you and yet has thou not known me, Philip? He that had seen me had seen the Father, and how sayest thou then, show us the Father? The first thing is, Philip, I want to give you a hard time because the Bible says God is a spirit and no man has ever seen God at any time. So God, the Father, you can't see him. So if you want to see God, no man has ever seen God. When you see Jesus, you see God, because that's the only way to see God, because God is not manifested. God is a spirit, but when you see Jesus, that is God manifested. Yes? I didn't lose you, did I? Okay. Revelations, one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Revelations chapter 1 verse 8 says, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord. The Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. Let me see if um, that's not the scripture I wanted. Let's see. Can, Can you all get me that same Revelation chapter 1? Look at 18. Let's see if. 18, because 18 might be the one that I want. If you can get me Revelation chapter one, verse number 18. No, can't get it. Um, Let me see if I can get it. Let me see if that was, if that's it. Yeah, let me check it out. Make sure it's legit. Ah, oh, yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's it. That's it. I love that text. I love that text. I love that text. Anybody want to read it out loud for me? Revelation 1, 18. I am he that liveth. I am he that liveth and was Ooh! Woo! And behold I am alive for evermore forevermore. Amen. And hover the features of hell and of death. He says, I am he that liveth. And was dead. Always remember when you see a word in the Bible end with E-T-H. It means continuation. It's not just for that moment. It's talking about a continuation. So liveth means I am he that has been living. I'm the self-existent one. I am the one that is eternal. And then I was dead. And then I'm alive forevermore and have the keys to hell and death. I love that text because that tells you who the Lord Jesus is. He's telling you, I am God almighty. And I came to that world that's called earth that I created to die for my people, to save them from their sin, to give them an opportunity to be saved. Jesus is God. With us. Matthew one twenty three, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. So Jesus is God with us. Can't get no clearer than that. Yes, sir. Go ahead. Uh-huh. Yep. Mm-hmm. hmm 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 And received up in glory. That That is the text right there that just give you the clear layout of who he is god was manifest in the flesh justified in the spirit mean i'm in the flesh but i'm still god justified in the spirit seen of angels preached unto this world that's only one there's only one that did that did you know some of you heard me said this say this before And I'll say this again for some of you that may not have heard it. Do you understand that there is no one in heaven but Jesus Christ? Do we know that? Some of you saying, hold on now, hold on, hold on. No one. The Bible says only he that has descended has ascended. And so there is nobody in heaven but the, the Lord Jesus Christ. Everyone that dies in Christ. They go into the presence, but not into heaven. We all gonna go to heaven at the same time. What a God. Nobody can say I <laughs> no seniority. <laughs> no seniority, the young person said. So you could be living for God for fifty years, and I'm living for God for three months. You're not getting to heaven before me. the bible says that the dead in christ shall rise first right but it didn't say they rise to go to heaven they said they met him in the air so the dead in christ if you died in christ you met him in the air and if you're living while he appears in the sky then you will change into a body that you need to change into and meet him in the air so we all meet in the air then we go to heaven. <laughs> God, oh man! So nobody gets to get there before anybody. So when when our tradition says, "Oh, they died and they gone home," they in the presence of the Lord, but they're not in heaven, you know. So just just I just like for us to know the truth about the Word of God and not just take on tradition and run with it. So the Lord. We says, Jesus is God with us. And there's no mistake in that. He is God with us. And then we say on on page number, uh, on page 20, who is the Holy Ghost? And who is the King? Who is the Holy Ghost? Ephesians 4, verse 4 through 6. There is one body and one spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling. One Lord. One faith, one baptism. Omara, there's only one baptism, and you just did it. When you hear about all the other stuff, there's only one baptism, and I did it. You can tell people, I don't know how many baptisms they have out there, but there's only one that the Bible talks about, and I did it. One baptism, being baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it says, and 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 the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. So the one Spirit that the Bible talks about is that Spirit that moved upon the face of the water from way back then. So one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. So when you receive the Holy Spirit, God is in you and he is one. So the spirit of God is God in you. John four twenty four God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So the Holy Spirit is God. Now, let me give you another one. This is my, this is mine. Have, not coming out of the manual here. And that's Romans 8 verse 7 need another loud reader Romans 8 verse Now Romans 8 verse 9 Let's try verse um 9 Romans 8 verse 9 You did you catch all that you might have missed it. So take your time again, subscribe. Let me, let me, let, let's make sure they catch it. Go ahead again. Uh huh. You are in the spirit if, go ahead. Stop. You are in the spirit, so you don't have to, you know, you know how sometimes, um, We think being in the Spirit means we're kind of zoned out, zonked out, acting crazy. You know, we always say that's being in the Spirit. I'm acting crazy. Look at them, they're in the Spirit. No, 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 no. Once the Holy Spirit dwells in you, you're in the Spirit. But I like what the Scripture says, if the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now look how it changes it up. Now go ahead and read. Uh Uh-huh. So it came at you first saying you've got to have the spirit of God to be in the spirit. Then it says if any man have not the spirit of Christ. That's either contradiction or it's telling you whether it's the spirit of God or the spirit of Christ is the same spirit. <laughs> that's, what, that's what I wanted you to catch. Whether it be the spirit of God or the spirit of Christ, same spirit. Because the spirit is the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> Second Corinthians 3:17 now the Lord is the spirit remember i said lord mean god lord mean the self existent one lord means eternal so when we read the bible and it says lord it's it's categorizing jesus christ as almighty now the lord is the spirit And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. My Lord. I just got one because you might have missed it. If the Spirit dwell in you, then you are liberated. Oh, the, The preacher don't have to pray for you to be free if the Spirit of Christ dwell in you. You've got liberation in you. I just think we don't exercise that freedom because all we have to do is submit to him that is all powerful and almighty and he will work on our behalf. So as long as you have him on the inside, you have the opportunity to be free. You don't have to live in bondage with Christ being in your life. We just sometimes like to make excuses and we want attention. (laughs) Excuses and attention because we have him and he can work on our behalf if we want him to. And he wants to do that, but sometimes we don't want to give him the chance to do that. Who gives the Holy Ghost? Ezekiel 3. Ezekiel 36, I'm on page number 22. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statues and ye shall know and ye shall keep my judgment and do them. So the Lord is the one that puts himself, deposit himself by spirit within your heart. Christ in you Colossians chapter 1 verse 27 to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles which is Christ in you the hope of glory Colossians 2 and 6 as ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord so walk ye in him. Interchangeable terms that refer to the same spirit. So you have these interchangeable terms. Study them. Study them. Any questions so far? All right. I'm going to finish up with this. Let's jump to page 28 going to finish up with this page 28 because this is significant here because a lot of people can't explain this one right here page 28 the ancient hebrew when attempted to describe the actions qualities or to proclaim the awesome power of their almighty invisible god did so by using human attributes to explain him or his deeds. So understand this. From the beginning of time, when we try to describe the divine, holy, mighty, powerful God, we can only use the language that's available to us. And so sometimes we try to depict and describe our God and we do no justice with trying to explain him and describe him because we can only do it with the language that is available to us, with what we know, what we, with what we can understand. So we do our very best at explaining it, but you're talking about a divine God we're trying to explain in a natural way. <laughs> so that's very difficult to do, to explain a divine God in the natural way. So the scripture that dis- that designate human attributes to our invisible God are referred to as anthropomorphic or mo- yeah anthropomorphic and Anthro- an- anthropomorphic right all right you all probably pronounce it better um. In Exodus chapter 8, verse 19, Then the magician said unto Pharaoh, This is the finger of God, and Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he hardened, and he hearkened not unto them as the Lord had said. So the first thing I'm trying to point out to you here is this, the finger of God. Does God have a finger? I didn't say Jesus. I said, does God have a finger? Spirit don't have fingers. So here we go. They're describing the finger of God. Exodus 31, 18. And he gave unto Moses when he had made an end of consuming or communing with him upon the Mount Sinai. Two tables of testimony Tables of stone written with the finger of God. Now, here's another one. Genesis 6 and 8. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Again, does a spirit of eyes. Psalms 34, 15. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears are open unto their cry. The face of the Lord is against them that do evil, to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. Proverbs fifteen three. The eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the evil and the good. 1 Peter 3 and 12. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto their prayers, But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. And so we're reading these terminology, or should I say, these attributes of God, finger, face, ears. But the bottom line is, before God revealed himself as to what he looks like, before God revealed himself to say, here I am, look at me, he was invisible. And all throughout the Old Testament, as you read about God, he was invisible. But even in in his invisibility, he is saying, I've got face, I've got ears, I've got eyes, I've got fingers. But how can he if he's a spirit? The point that the Bible is trying to ride home to us and get us to understand is, there are description of God from a human perspective because we don't have other ways of describing him. And we say the face of the Lord. What just the first of all, God is present everywhere all at one time. So how can his face really be upon us if he's present everywhere? How big is his face? <laughs> So it can't be that God's face is is upon us and looking at us because that would be a really big face. God is present everywhere all at once. And so we know he's everywhere. The issue is not that God is not present everywhere all at once. The, the, the whole deal is we're pointing out the attributes of God for lack of better word. The New Testament Understanding of the right hand of God. While in the old testament we receive the revelation of the right hand of God is the New Testament clearly leads us to a divine understanding of the power of God is the manifestation of the Lord Jesus, the Almighty. Uh huh. Let's jump down to Mark. 14 and 62 and jesus said i am and ye shall see the son of man sitting on the right hand of the power and coming in in the clouds of heaven first peter three and two who is gone into heaven and is on the right hand of god angels and authorities and powers being made subject unto him Let me give you another one. Acts chapter 7, 52 through 55. But he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. And so I give you all of that just to get you to arrive at the place to ask you where would be the location of. Of the right hand of God. Where would be the location. Of the right hand. Of God. Because people take it literally. To believe that. They try to use that text to tell you. See I told you. That God and Jesus is separate. Because Jesus is on the right hand. Of God. And so. My question and your question should be, well, where is the right hand of God? I would like to meet who, who can come up with that. The right hand. Yeah, but where? We just went through the whole thing, say he has no finger, he has no face, he has none of that stuff because he wasn't visible. He was a spirit. So until he became human, He didn't have fingers, he didn't have face, he didn't have hands, he didn't have, he was a spirit. What the Bible is teaching us to understand, for lack of a better term, is that the right hand of God means the authority and power of God. God don't have a right hand. Because you can't see no hand or feet or face or finger on God because he's a spirit. And it's not until he manifests himself as the man Christ Jesus today, that's the only time he could have now said, I got a right hand. So if Christ Jesus is on the right hand of God, how you kind of work that through? It just means Christ Jesus sits on the throne because the throne is the authority and the power of God, and that's where Jesus sits. Because there's nobody else. There's nobody else in heaven. We're not gonna go to heaven, and God is over somewhere, we're hearing His voice, but we can't see Him, and Jesus walking around saying things, but we can see Him. That's confusion. And the old, old school, old, old school preachers used to say, anything with more than one head is a freak. They used to use that to tell us about marriage yeah just because y'all probably never heard this kind of stuff old school used to tell us anything with two heads is a freak so if two people is married it got to be one head can't be two heads just tell just just say just say just say you know I, i still ascribe to some of the old school things so i give you old school and i give you new school it's only one head and if jesus exists and god exists That's freaky. Because then it will be two heads. Can't be Jesus and God. Jesus Christ is God Almighty. And from the beginning, he had every intention of being God in the flesh. But he knew we were crazy and he just had to wait till the fullness of time to manifest himself. So all the other times... He just kept on flowing as almighty God, never manifest himself. He was just waiting till the right time came where he had to come into this world and save us from our sins. And so that was always the plan. As a matter of fact, I always like to say it this way. Why do you think you were created the way you were created? Why do you think you look the way you looked? Because that's the way he decided he would look. He says, I'm going to look this way. And so he created us in his image. (laughs) He created us in his image, in his physical and spiritual and even characteristical image. So the bottom line is in Genesis, when he says he created us in his image, we probably couldn't even understand that yet because he didn't have a physical image, an icon. He didn't have that yet. He didn't didn't reveal that to us yet. But yet and still the Bible says he created us in his image. So the bottom line is we were created or yes, we were created back way back in the garden because God had decided that that's how he would look when his time came for him to enter this world physically because he was always here spiritually because he always existed. But in order for us to know him, we had to know him. In order for us to know him, he had to become knowable. Uh huh. If your mom is raising you because your dad died, she can tell you all she want about him. But you will never know him. You'll never know him. You might get smiles on your face when she tell you all the good stories about your dad. But if he died, you would never know him. You can hear stories about him. You can smile about him. You can appreciate things about him, but you would never know him because you can only know him if you had a personal experience and encounter with him. And so we still have that today in this world. People never seek to know who God is And so all they have is information about him. And information about him won't save you. It's your personal, up-close interaction with God that will save you. Because we got to know this. All of you know this. There's times where you're wondering, what is this all about? Does this really work? God, are you really real? And the only thing that keeps you going... Is because you had an up close with him at some point in time it's because you had such a, a, a an experience with him that you 're like, no, man, <laughs> I remember this I remember this <laughs> I remember this, and so things start coming back to your mind about real experiences, and you keep going. but if you never had that, then you 'll find yourself just straying and doing things that is nowhere close or resemble what pleases him sometimes i wonder i worry about um some folks that end up just walking away from god i wonder did they really ever got their real experience their encounter with god or all the while while they were coming to services they just were getting head knowledge because when you just come and get head knowledge when the going gets tough and nothing is happening for you you might just decide later for this. And then the biggest thing that happens to us, once you, once you miss a couple of times, the devil starts telling you, girl, you going to go back there? They're going to be looking at you. Boy, you going to go back there? They're going to be looking at you, and then now you just don't come. But it started with, did you ever get a real intimate, up-close, real encounter with Jesus Christ? To know, I don't care what's going on. I don't care how bad things get. I don't care how my life is struggling with whatever it's struggling with. I know he's real. And sooner or later, on his timetable, on his word, he will do what he wants to do in my life. There must be something that's going on that he's allowing this to happen. And so I close with this. Today I had a lot of frustration going on. But when you know him... You work through it. Maybe that's why I can say this um, now. And so today, I'm at my desk. I'm trying to do work. And then I'm texting with my wife. She's telling me that the folks from the fire station um, have a meeting going on.